Um, and I, again, I want to thank you for, for being here today. And uh, any day that we have a baptism is a, is a good day. Amen. Um, and uh, if the water's, uh, the water's still pretty, pretty warm, right, Hallie? Not too bad. So uh, I, last week, she wanted to get baptized last week. And I'm like, I don't have any water. Um, but I mean, we can, I don't know. I don't know. We can get some toilet water or something. I don't know. Um, she might have done that. I don't know, right? Amen, Hallie? Uh, but anyway, um, maybe not that. I don't know. But anyway, um, uh, we do want to say, it's, uh, hey, it's ready. So after service, somebody want to get baptized, we can sure make that happen. All right? Um, it, it's, it's not a problem. So if you, uh, if you are visiting with us today, um, we are continuing a, a series right now, kind of a mini series. We went through the book of Philippians uh, for 20 weeks, and, and now we've taken uh, a little break um, from, from, book stu- from book studies, which we'll probably do again in January. Um, and now we're, we've been doing a couple weeks of something I've, I've called Putting the Real in Reality TV. And uh, I, we've done several weeks of it so far. Uh, we've done, uh, we, we, uh, did um, the survivor all right which is my wife and our favorite one okay and we connected the life of daniel uh to to that show and then we did a couple weeks of the amazing race which is another one that we like um and we connected the life of joseph in the bible to, to that one and so today we have one just one week because i don't know uh much about this one this is my least favorite one uh, least favorite show that we're that we're going to connect and and it's uh, the bachelor or the Bachelorette. Okay, so just curious. Anybody has anyone seen any of those shows? All right, I see some of y'all are nodding your head, but you're, you're afraid to raise your hand. Um, well, <laughs> um, are you embarrassed? I don't know. I don't know. I might be a little if I if I watch that show, but uh, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, but the the Bachelor Bachelorette, not my favorite, but I know it's really popular, really popular. And so uh, we're going to connect Esther. To the bachelor and bachelorette and i think you'll see an obvious connection there as we go through and the ultimate the, the thing that we that we're really kind of getting back to is that there is the ultimate reality and that is that there is a god uh who we will answer to one day and will we be ready that's kind of the overarching thing uh of the whole series and by the way next week we're going to do uh, america's got talent all right, and we're going to connect that to the life of David. All right, now that might be two weeks because there's a lot about David, okay, uh, that we could talk about. And so uh, we might do a couple weeks. I told my wife and I told my mom too. I said, I never thought I would be the preacher that would preach for more than about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and, and I've been here about a year now and I consistently go like 35. I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to, to knock that down uh, a little bit, but uh, hopefully it's not been too bad for you. And again, I thank you for your gracious and letting me uh, learn on the fly here uh, at this church with some great people. Um, and before we get into it again, I want to say uh, that, that I want to continue to pray uh, for the Bush family. Um, if you didn't go yesterday to the funeral, it was a beautiful service beautiful beautiful service i, I might have cried about the whole time I, I, it was it was awesome um and and so uh, what a beautiful service it was yesterday for a terrific man of god so uh so today i want to ask the question um do you think that most things just happen by chance anybody anybody know anything about the horoscope yeah people big on the horoscope or that you know or um you know a roll of a die or destiny or fate happenstance or chance or whatever or it's it's in the stars you've heard those expressions right we've heard those expressions and um and and while they're kind of fun to read about you know with stories and stuff like that and novels or whatnot um do they really help us from day to day and day-to-day life can we really trust in fate and destiny 
Uh, maybe you've heard uh, somebody say that, that we were, you know, me and this, this young lady, we were destined to be together. We we're soulmates. You ever heard that expression? We're soulmates. Um, I don't know yeah, uh, about all that, but, you know, maybe God just has a plan all along, right? And so um, we're going to look at the story of the Esther, but as you can see, you, you see the uh, bachelor. And we're going to talk about Bachelor and Bachelorette kind of together. I don't know which one's better. I have no idea. All right. Um, So uh, I'm going to have to really rely on my notes here for this one because this is, like I said, the one show that I don't know very much about. Okay. Um, So according to some background here, uh, The Bachelor is an American dating relationship reality television series that debuted in 2002. Okay, so it's been going on since 2002 for quite a while. The show is hosted by Chris Harrison. There's a picture of him that Miss Ronald put up here for us. All right, Chris Harrison. Um, uh, and the series revolves around a singular bachelor or bachelorette who starts with a pool of romantic interests from which he or she is, is expected to select a wife or husband. Okay, um, During the course of the season, the bachelor eliminates candidates Culminating in a marriage proposal to his final selection, the participants travel to romantic and exotic locations for their adventures, and the conflicts in the series, both internal and external, stern from the elimination-style format of the show. Okay? Um, uh, there's been 24 seasons of The Bachelor. Can anybody tell me how many are still together today? Just curious. Some of y'all might be big fans. I don't know. If you are, I apologize for bashing your show a little bit. But does anybody know? Three? None? It's in between. uh, uh, between, um, Oh, it's not in between. It's between zero and two. All right. um, One. Okay? One of them are still together. Okay? And 24 seasons. One. Um, And the Bachelorette, their odds are a little better. They've had 15 seasons, and six of them are still together. So at least the Bachelorette, at least the odds are a little better. All right, but it's still, what, 40%? If I did my math right, that's not too good, okay? Um, that, that's even higher than Florida's chances of stopping Georgia on fourth down yesterday. All right? Amen, or oh me. All right, I'm a Gator fan, so I'm struggling. If you're, I see you, Georgia. Where's Jasmine when I need Jasmine? Jasmine would have loved to be here today. She would have, she would have given me heck today. All right, she would have given me problems today. All right, tell her I thought about her yesterday. All right, I'm happy for her, but that's about it, okay? Um, but anyway, um, but not very good odds. And so here's what I've kind of, these are some, uh, some apparently sayings that are, these phrases are used like almost every year, every season. Again, I, I don't know. This is completely off my notes. But apparently these um, seven sayings, these seven phrases are uttered like every season. And, and if you agree, kind of nod your head so I'm not completely clueless here. Or maybe I'm you know, not talking uh, craziness here. But apparently these phrases are uttered. Um, first one is, I'm here for the right reasons. I'm here for the right reasons. Uh, second one is, I don't think he's right for you. Or I don't think she's right for you, depending on bachelor, bachelorette. Um, and the next one is, I can't wait for them to meet my family. Because apparently they meet their family or something at the end. I'm not real sure, again, on that. Um, and Or it says, like, gentlemen, all right, this is the final rose tonight. When you're ready, all right, go ahead and present it. Or this is the most dramatic season in bachelor or bachelorette history. Apparently they say that every season. Um, and then, uh, I can't wait to go on this journey with all of you. All right. And then the last one is, I can see myself spending the rest of my life with him or her. All right. 
I don't know. Are they, are that about right? Kind of nods and okay, nodding of heads. Okay. So again, like we've done before, I want to take just a couple of minor parallels today, minor parallels, and then we're going to get into the meat. Okay. So it's kind of like we've been having some some uh, some like appetizers, and then we eat the, the the meal. Okay. So the appetizers is as follows. So there's a, like I saw three minor parallels between the Bachelor and the Book of Esther. Okay. Uh, and the one, the first one was partying. Like party and application process. Like apparently there's a good bit of partying on the TV shows Bachelor and Bachelorette. Like, you know, you can search online if you want to or don't. All right. Uh, but apparently there is a good bit of partying, uh, alcohol, stuff like that. Uh, and it, it, it actually, the show's actually gotten into some trouble from that, if I'm not mistaken. All right. Because of it being so readily available, like 11 o'clock in the morning. They're like, hey, you know, go ahead and drink, you know. Uh, so apparently that's kind of a big deal. Well... Let's look at Esther. I want you to see the obvious pair. You'll see it right off the bat here. So Esther chapter 1, all right? Esther chapter 1, verse, starting in verse 3, okay? Now, uh, the king's name in, that they, they use here is Ahasuerus, but I'm just going to say Xerxes because it's King Xerxes, okay? All right? So the rest of the time, I'm going to say Xerxes. And it's just easier for this, this old uh, country guy to say, all right? So King Xerxes. So uh, starting in verse 3, he, all right, King Xerxes, held a feast in the third year of his reign for all his officials and staff, the army of Persia and Media, the nobles and the officials from the provinces. He displayed the glorious wealth of his kingdom and the magnificent splendor of his greatness for a total of 180 days. Now, I read kind of on and off, on and off, 180 days. Okay, so like, this is a long time, right, brother? This is a half a year of, of celebration, okay? All right, and then, reading on, uh, at verse 5, at the end of this time, as if they hadn't already had enough celebration, the king held a week-long banquet in the garden courtyard of the royal palace for all the people, from the greatest to the least, who were present in the fortress of Susa. White and violet linen hangings were fastened with fine white and purple linen cords to silver rods on marble columns. Gold and silver couches were arranged on a mosaic pavement of red feldspar, marble, mother of pearl, and precious stones. It was just a beautiful, extravagant place. Okay, verse 7. Drinks were served in an array of gold goblets, each with a different design. Royal wine flowed freely. Okay, royal wine flowed freely according to the king's bounty. Verse 8, the drinking was according to royal decree. There were no restrictions. There are no restrictions. Have at it. Drink all you want. Okay? The king had ordered every wine steward in his household to serve whatever each person wanted. And also, Queen Vashti also gave a feast for the women of King uh, Xerxes' palace. Okay? Y'all see the obvious connection? A lot of partying going on. Okay? A lot of partying uh, there going on this time. And apparently, according to uh, hi history, the the Medes and the Persians were uh, historic uh, drinkers, too, okay? Uh, could drink a lot, which I found very interesting. Second one, rose ceremonies, dating, and elimination process, okay? That's a big part of the show, rose ceremonies, dating, and the elimination process. These are all big parts of the show. Apparently, the first impression rose is a rose, again, y'all have to help me out if you've seen this, is a rose offered to a contestant who made the best first impression, to the bachelor or bachelorette, the contestant who receives this rose is safe from elimination. And then basically, as the show goes on, if you don't get a rose, you are eliminated. Okay. All right. Um, well, if you've read Esther, then you know exactly where I'm going. Okay. And so after Queen Vashti, and we're going to get look at this later, upset King Xerxes, they had a contest of who would be the next queen. 
All right. And so if you'll read with me, all right, chapter two now, go to chapter two. And um, there's a lot here, and I may just kind of read some of it and kind of skip down. But read with me, starting in verse 1. Sometime later, when King Xerxes, Ahasuerus, when King Xerxes' rage had cooled down, he remembered Vashti, what she had done, and what was decided against her. The king's personal attendant suggested, Let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in each province of his kingdom, so that they may gather all the beautiful young virgins of the harem at the fortress of Susa, put them under the supervision of Haggai, the king's eunuch, the keeper of the women, and give them the required beauty treatments. Then the young woman who pleases the king will become queen instead of Vashti. This suggestion pleased the king, and he did accordingly. So without reading really much more than that, if you want to read more of that, you can uh, in chap- in, there in chapter 2, the first 18 verses. But there was basically a contest. Okay? There's a contest to see who's going to be the next queen. All right, he uh, Vashti did not please him. We're going to look at again at that uh, in a moment. Uh, and so he, she didn't do what he wanted him to do. And so they, uh, she's no longer queen. So this is kind of like King Xerxes was the original bachelor, right? Wouldn't y'all kind of see that? He's kind of the original bachelor. Um, and uh, it was a whole year, by the way. A couple things that I want to highlight. Um, there was a whole year of getting these beauty treatments to make them just right, just satisfactory for the king. Um, it was like they had oil and myrrh for six months and then perfumes and cosmetics for another six months. That sounds about as much time as it took my, my sisters to, uh, in, in, the, in the bathroom when I was growing up. All right, that's a good joke. I don't know. Some of you, all right, anyway, that was a good one right there, right, Mr. Tom? All right, if you're not here, I try. I try really hard. Um, and, and, and I was told I, I, I speak too fast to get many amens. So I've been working on my pausing so I can get more amens. All right, for John, you got amen. There you go. All right, thank you. Um, so, but Esther, Esther gained favor in the eyes of everyone who saw her. You see that in, in those verses there. And the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she became queen. Okay, so the third thing I just want to bring out before we get to the, the main course uh, is the word irony. All right, now Hallie and Jimmy both had me for English, and so we know what irony is a bunch of different types of irony. Okay, situational irony, dramatic irony, verbal irony. Don't mean to go in great detail, but there's a lot of, of, of irony. And it exists in pretty much any reality TV show that you watch. Producers like to, like to play off of that in some form or another, like make you think one thing, but it's going to be something else. Or they'll do the whole pausing, or they'll put a commercial when they're about to tell you who won something or who's eliminated, right? After this commercial break, you know, and so uh, they, they play off of that. So I just want you to, I'm going to do a quick look through of all the examples of irony. Again, this is kind of the minor parallels, and then we'll get to the main course, but I, I promise we'll, we'll get to that around one o'clock, okay? Just playing. That was a bad joke. All right, um, there are two examples. So the first one, the fact that in the very beginning, he's the king, and the wife did not do what he wanted to do. He's the king. Now, most times the king just gets what he wants. Not in this one. Okay, um, uh, Queen Vashti did not do what the king asked her to do. Okay, uh, and so, and then after that, King Xerxes. This is also ironic in that he can't control his wife, yet he makes a law that all men are to do just that. He's going to issue a law that all men are to be lord, you know, head of their household. Okay, but he wasn't really himself. Okay, um, and then uh, another example you'll see as, as we go through, because we're going to go through all, all of Esther here in a few minutes, just kind of skip through it, um, a little journey there. King Xerxes and Haman, there, there's a situation where they're having a good old time after a decree to destroy the Jews, yet the people don't seem to agree with it. 
Uh, they don't seem to be happy at all, even the Medes and the Persians, yet they're just kind of chilling back, hanging back like, yeah, this is a good idea, which is ironic as well because it wasn't a good idea. to the, the people weren't happy about it, but they seem to be real happy. Um, and by the way, the king doesn't know that his own wife would be killed from the very law that he enacted. Okay, And uh, Haman thinks he is to be honored at one point. You're going to see this soon. He thinks he is to be honored, and it ends up being his enemy, Mordecai. And Haman himself had to be the one leading the procession. And also Haman was hanged on the very gallows that he had built for Mordecai. So a lot of, a lot of irony here, okay? Um, and there's a lot going on here. But as we go through this book, uh, the main point is, uh, is on the screen, okay? While some believe strongly in fate and destiny, the book of Esther shows us that God is always at work, even when he may seem silent. Amen? And so that's the main point. And, I, and, and so this one I struggled with. I struggled to try to organize it, you know, to try to give you your, your points. And I'm sorry I, I may lose my, bab, my Baptist preacher card today because I don't have any alliterative points, okay? Uh, but uh, hopefully you'll still, you'll, you'll still get something out of it. As we're just going to journey through, uh, make, make a quick journey through the whole book, okay, from start to end. All right? And we're just going to kind of bring out the idea every now and then. Is it destiny? slash fate, or is it God? Okay? Destiny or God? We're going to kind of do that as we go because something interesting about this book is it's one of the two books that um, it does not mention God specifically in the book of the Bible. Okay? I, don't know. I don't know if y'all knew that or not, but it's kind of an interesting fact. Okay? Now, some say it's the only one all right? because some translations, Song of Solomon uh, will use a translation and use the word God in it. Okay, And so some believe it's the only book of the Bible uh, that does not have the word God mentioned. But you're going to see through it all that God was working. He, he, his name might not have been specifically mentioned, but he was working under the surface the whole time, working things out. And so uh, here we go. So we're, y'all ready? Y'all have to put your seatbelts on because we're going to be, we're going, to be uh, going through, uh, starting in, verse, in chapter 1, we're just kind of go through, I'm, uh, sometimes read some of it, uh, and other times refer to, uh, refer to a, a particular verse as we go. So maybe a little bit different, all right? but we're going to look at it this way. So chapter 1. All right, and I've already mentioned how the Persians were apparently famous for their prodigious drinking uh, in excess. All right, kind of a sad thing to be remembered for, if you ask me. But that's a whole another sermon for another day. All right, but in Esther chapter one, King Xerxes of Persia gets mad at Queen Vashti, and some of y'all know this because you've read it. But he was mad at her because she denied his request to show her off. Okay, now um, th- this is. Again, you have to be very careful with, uh, you know, with, uh, with the listening ears and a sermon about this, just like we talked about Joseph and Potiphar's wife last week, okay? How that wasn't a PG-rated thing, all right? Um, don't think this was either, okay, without going in great detail, all right? Um, it would have been an embarrassing thing for her, all right, um, to, to be showed off to these people, to show her beauty, because apparently she was very, very beautiful, all right? Um, and she said, no, I'm not doing that. To the king, okay? which obviously uh, made him very mad. Uh, and this, and um, you have Mamukin uh, and other um, like advisors who said, you know what, she, you know, she can't be queen more, and um, we're just going to have to, if, if word gets out that Vashi didn't do what you said to do, man, then all of our wives are going to be doing that to us. That was basically the idea. Okay, And so we can't be having all that. And so the end of chapter 1, verse 22 
uh, he, okay, the king, sent letters to all the royal provinces, to each province in its own script, and to each ethnic group in its own language, to everybody, okay, that every man should be master of his own house and speak in the language of his own people, that every man should be master of his own house. They made it a law. What do you think about ever Steve? All right, you might not want to say any answer on that. All right, but anyway, so, uh, uh, yeah, it, yeah, see, I'm smart, everyone. All right, but uh, again, destiny or God? Okay. It just happened that Queen Vashti would, would, um, would just say no to the king. But can you blame her? Can you blame her, Miss Tommy? I mean, uh, she didn't want to be paraded around, uh, you know, that way, like, a, like she's some sort of show pig or something, right? Um, in addition, uh, I doubt that this was, I mean, I doubt this is something that happened very often. I don't think queens normally disobeyed uh, the king, right? I just, this is me. I, this was a dictatorship, y'all. All right, we live in America. All right, and so we have a democracy, but that stuff didn't happen very often. Hmm. Again, destiny or God, something, something to think about as we go on. So in Esther two, let's look at Esther two now. We see that Esther is given servants as she is one of the women that is a possible candidate to become the next queen. Okay, um, and and we we uh, and so again, destiny or God that she happened to be one of the ones. We'll look in chapter two, verse eight. Chapter 2, verse 8. When the king's command and edict became public knowledge, and when many young women were gathered at the fortress of Susa under Haggai's supervision, Esther was taken to the palace into the supervision of Haggai, keeper of the women. Did she go voluntarily? Did she go on her own? I mean, did, did, she, did she go... Uh, did she just say, oh man, I heard about this, this king. This one, that I, want, I want to be part of that contest. I'm going to join up. Is that how it happened? No, she was taken. Okay, uh, this wasn't her. This wasn't her choice. All right, she didn't have a choice in the matter. It was a king again, dictatorship. All right, she's one of the women. All right, she's got to go. All right, and so again, hmm, very interesting. All right, and um, uh, Esther didn't ask for this. She didn't knock on the castle's door and be like, "Hey, I, I want to be next queen." That wasn't part of the action. So we also see that her cousin, which was her guardian, all right, it was her cousin Mordecai. Okay, it was. Her cousin, now a little bit older than her, all right, because he was also her guardian. But it was her, her cousin Mordecai, very important figure in this in this particular uh, book. And so we'll see that in verse eleven that Mordecai checks on her every day, which I think is really cool. All right, that that's a good that's somebody who cares about you. He's checking in on you all the time. Okay, um, and, and again, uh, Esther didn't choose to do this; she was picked to do it. Greater things are are at work, and. We can't always see the direct hand of God, but I mean, think about the number of accidents in your in your vehicle that you probably missed just because you don't know the dryer wasn't working or something, or you know you burnt the cookies, or I don't know. All right, maybe that's just me, or burnt the pork chops, right, babe? I, I cooked for her one time we were dating, and I just burnt the pork chops like crazy. But anyway, she still married me, so I guess I'm all right. But um, but it, it, you know, it, but we think about that how. Um, think, of, think about just on a road uh, when people like Jimmy drive really, really fast. All right? um, <clears throat> I'm just playing with you. But you think how, like, what? There's 10 feet between you and that car going a different direction at 70 miles an hour, too, or whatever. Might be a little bit, le- a little bit more for you. But, um, you know, like, think about that. One little bit of turn one way or another, and you have a collision. Or, like I said, you, you miss a, you know, you hear about stories in 9 11. And, and when, and obviously, a terrible time in our history. But you hear how some people 
were supposed to be that day there that day and they weren't because of this reason or the, or the next. You don't think that's God? That destiny or is that God? I, you know, or, um, you know, I can tell you from personal experience, whenever I retired from coaching a couple years ago, I, we thought we were, I thought I was moving to Savannah to work for FCA. Uh, that's what I told my guys all year long. I'm working for Fellowship Christian Athletes. I'm moving to Savannah. Fell through. At the last second, fell through. Uh, and it wasn't my decision. They called me and said, well, well Pastor, we don't, we're not going to approve, approve this because we feel like when things get tough, you go home. I'm like, I only went home one time. But, I mean, I wasn't going to, to try to pry open a door that was obviously shut, right? And so... I went and just came to you, Pastor at Burnham, and then some church held Calvary got with me, and here I am. Okay? So God, God was at work. All right? uh, and, and even when it seemed like, like Sal and I didn't understand. Guys, I went through a lot of preparation to work for FCA, if you don't know. Uh, a lot of hours. All right? and, and I had to do book studies and a lot of stuff. Um, I don't really know, maybe 20 hours. I, I don't know. And I was teaching and coaching at the time. So those hours were hard to come by, you know. But I was actually asked to, I was actually, I actually had jury duty for the first time in my life. And it was federal jury duty in Jacksonville. So I, I was there for a couple of days. And one day, they, they or it finished early. And they said, hey, just come back tomorrow. So I had a whole afternoon to get all my FCA stuff done. And I'm like, destiny or God? I don't know. And God worked that out. I still don't know why. I still don't know why I, I went through it. But, you know, God has a plan. Amen? And, and He's still working. And so Esther was smart. I want you to look back at, Esther, at, at the book of Esther. Esther was smart in not letting it be known that she was a Jew. Okay? Chapter 2, verse 10. She was very smart not to let the king know that she's, a, she's, she's not a, a Persian. She's a Jew. Okay? She didn't let him know that. Mordecai was helping her with that. And then, interesting, the whole rose thing is similar to Esther 2, verse 14. Right, because it says in 14, she would go in the evening, and in the morning she would return to a second harem under the supervision of the king's eunuch, Shazgaz, keeper of the concubines. She never went to the king again unless he desired her and summoned her by name, she being any woman there. Okay, um, And so, uh, and then verse 15, she gained favor with everyone who saw her. God was at work. And then verse 17, she became queen. She got the last rose. Is that how it works on the bachelor? That's really, okay, all right, thank you. I don't really know. All right, I should probably know more about what I'm preaching on. All right, I kind of do, okay? But, uh, but that part I'm a little hazy on. But anyway, um, now, this is, uh, now if this was the most important thing, that she became queen, all right, then the book is over all right, uh, at the end of chapter 2. Do y'all have more after chapter 2 or not? You got more? Okay, so the book is, so it's not over with. All right, so if that was it, if that's all that was important, was that she became queen uh, of some Persian king named King Xerxes, and that's it. That's over with. Chapter closed, everything done, we'll, we'll go home. Okay? But there was more at stake because what we don't realize at this point is that God was at work to help trying to, to save a whole, king, a whole group of people called the Israelites during this situation. Okay, so... Um, uh, in the meantime, all right, Esther chapter 2, verses 19 through 23. All right, read with me what happens uh, with Mordecai. And remember that this happened later, okay? So when the virgins were gathered a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate. Esther had not revealed her family background or her ethnicity, as Mordecai had directed. She obeyed Mordecai's orders as she always had while he raised her. Okay, so she was good with that. Okay, verse 21. During those days, while Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, 
Bigtham and Teresh, two of the king's units who guarded the entrance, became infuriated and planned to assassinate King Xerxes. When Mordecai learned of the plot, he reported it to Queen Esther, and she told the king on Mordecai's behalf. When the report was investigated and verified, both men were hanged on the gallows. This event was recorded in the historical record in the king's presence. So we see, see that um, Esther's cousin, Esther's guardian, Mordecai, he did something pretty important right there, didn't he? Okay. Again, destiny or God? It just so happened that he was right there. He just happened to be right there and he overheard the plot to kill the king. Again, again sometimes you have to have more faith uh, to, to believe in fate and destiny. I mean, like, I, like really? If, if some of you really think he just happened to be there. Chapter 3. Do you know, before I move, start here, do you know anyone who kind of just gets under your skin? Don't say any names if they're here today. All right? Some people just have a way of getting under your skin a little bit. <laughs> Mr. Tommy is, acts like he's thinking about me, but I don't know. All right, no. Uh, but um, man, Haman, Mordecai got under Haman's skin, y'all. All right, so I'm going to try to speed this up here as we go through. Um, but we're introduced to a man named Haman who became very powerful in the country. He doesn't like that Mordecai won't bow down to him because apparently people were supposed to do that. You're supposed to bow down to him, and Mordecai just didn't. And people are like, Mordecai, you need to, come on, man, what you thinking? It's not, I'm not going to do that. I'm not bowing down to him. Okay? And so um, he, is, he is given the power, Haman is given the power by King Xerxes to issue a new law that the Jews be destroyed. That's in verses 8 and 9, if you want to read it there. Okay? All right? And then, chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. I'm gonna, I will read that one. When Mordecai learned all that had occurred, he tore his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went into the middle of the city and cried loudly and bitterly. He went only as far as the king's gate since the law prohibited anyone wearing sackcloth from entering the king's gate. So he went as far as he could go and showing how upset he was at this, this awful law to kill him and the rest of his people. Okay? Now, uh, do you all remember Nehemiah? The story about Nehemiah and how he came into the king's presence and he was sad? And the king was like, why are you sad? This is not... Because you really, you weren't supposed to do that. Okay? And by the way, another kind of side note, you know I love the details. Uh, Nehemiah was distressed in the presence of King Xerxes' son, Artaxerxes. Pretty interesting little, little tidbit there. So Esther uh, sent him clothes uh, and, and sent him things. And he, you know, put something on you. Stop, stop doing that. But he refused. That's verse 4. He refused. Then Esther sent a servant to find out what was wrong. All right, news is given back and forth when she finds out about the new law. Verses 5 through 9, all right, there and there. So, um, and then she says that uh, she really can't do anything because it was a law that you could not approach the king unless he summoned you. Okay, so now let's read verse 12 in chapter 4. Verse 12 through 14. It says, Esther's response was reported to Mordecai. And then verse 13, Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther. This is a lot of people's favorite part of the book of Esther. Definitely one, definitely one of mine. Okay. Mordecai told the messenger to reply to Esther. Don't think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews because you are in the king's palace. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come to the Jewish people from another place. But you and your father's family will be destroyed. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. Destiny or God? For such a time as this. There's a reason why you were chosen queen in that position. You can do something about this, Esther. 
this is your time. This is your chance to do something. Who knows? Maybe you were born for just such a time as this. But see the faith. God wasn't mentioned, but you see his faith. Oh, God's going to somehow take care of it, Esther, whether you do something about it or not. But maybe, just maybe, it's supposed to be you. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's you today. And you're concerned about something uh, something bothers you or something that seems unfair or unjust. Well, maybe it's on you to do something about it as a Christian. Okay? Maybe. I don't know. For such a time as this. Amen? So she decides in her heart that she will go before the king, risking her life, but she is smart in asking that people pray for her. You can see that at the end of, of Esther 4. Fast and pray, you know, because this is tough. I'll do it, but please pray for me. Boy, it's good to know that somebody's praying for you. You got people, you know you have somebody praying for you. Man, all right? Destiny or God. This is more obvious now as we see that she asked people to fast for her. It's not just prayer, it's fasting. Esther chapter 5. Esther approached the king and he accepted her, verse 3. And he didn't have her killed, which he could have, because she approached him. You're supposed to be summoned by the king. Come here, Steve. You know, like, she made that choice and he accepted her. Again, destiny or God? Because most people would have been killed in that situation. The fact that she said, okay, here I go. I'm going to go see the king. She could have been killed. She wasn't. Again, destiny or God. Um, and then she said that she wanted to throw a banquet for him and Haman. Okay? Now this pleased Haman, who bragged about it with his family in verses 10 through 13 in, in Esther 5. He brags about it. Can y'all believe it, man? They're going to throw a party for my brother right here. What? Check me out. I got it going on. But they know what they're doing at that palace. All right, they're going to they're throw a party for me. But he was still mad because Mordecai still wouldn't bow to him. Like, he couldn't, again, a whole nother sermon for another time, but it reminds me of how people can have it all but still not be satisfied. <laughs> he got it all, and he's still mad that that one guy wouldn't bow down to him. Oh, man. His family said that they should have a thing built for Mordecai to be hanged on. You should just go ahead and just have some gallows. Well, there's some good family members he's got. <laughs> this reminds us of some, of some of our family members. <laughs> Shut up, Patrick. All right. But, uh, you know, they might want to have a barbecue or something, right? Anyway. Again, God was at work. We see this in the beginning of Esther 6 now, as the king could not sleep. Okay? So the king can't sleep. He asked for the record book. And y'all remember what Mordecai did? How Mordecai Mordecai saved the king? Y'all remember that, right? He saved the king. He he, he let him know about assassination plot, and those two guys were hanged. And so, but again, destiny or God, that, that he just happens to not be able to sleep, and he starts remembering, oh yeah, man, we never did anything for that guy who... Help save my life. Maybe you ought to do something for him. I think we ought to do something for him. And so he found out that nothing was done for him in verse 3. And then again, who just happens to be around? Let me get, go, let's go get an official. All right? And let's go honor this guy because nothing was done for Mordecai. And it just happened to be that the nearest official was Haman. Really interesting. Haman was right there. And the king asked Haman, what should be done for the one the king wants to honor? Well, who does, who does Haman think he's talking about? Himself. Oh, he's talking about me. Oh, man, king, I got good, good ideas for that. Well, I've been wanting you to ask me that for a while. Right? Uh, and so he thought he was referring to him. And so he replied that basically, let's have a parade. All right? We should have a parade and everyone should honor that man. Thinking it's him. Haman, ironically, however, had to parade. I love this part. Mordecai around. And he had to lead the procession. Right? And he was humiliated. 
humiliated. Man, I love that part of it. He was summoned to the palace for Esther's banquet. At the end of chapter 6, verse 14, he was told to go to the banquet. Esther 7. Guys, I'm getting close, right? I promise. You, you, you back row Baptist, I'm getting there. All right? Okay. All right. We'll go eat in a minute. All right. So uh, Esther chapter 7. Again, the king asked Esther what she wanted. So again, here's, here's Esther. All right, being there with the queen, with the king. It doesn't say it, but I, I'm assuming again she had to take a step of faith. All right, that he wouldn't, you know, because he's supposed to summon her. Okay, all right. I think that's not reading too much into it. I think she had to do that again. All right, and um, again the king asked her what she wanted, and she informed him of a law to kill the Jews. She revealed that she was a Jew. All right, and he was mad about this. Verse six in chapter seven. Oh, he don't like this because that's his bay. Right? Can I say bay at church, brother? John, is that okay? All right. Hallie says yes, right? Okay. All right. And so he's like, oh, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Wait. There's a, wait, you're a Jew? Mm. And so he's really mad. He asked who did it. Who did this? And Esther told him that it was this Haman who's at the party at the time. And the king was really mad. And he was so mad he had to leave. Y'all ever get so mad you have to leave? All right. I have to, man. Right. I just had to walk out if I get real, real angry. And then he found Haman. He come back in. He found Haman pleading with Esther. Okay? Haman pleading for his life. Oh, Esther, Esther, no, no. And it looked to the king like something else. Okay? Without going in great detail. Basically looked like he was hitting on his wife. Okay? All right? And so he's already mad at Haman. And now, oh, now you're going to try to mess with my wife too? Oh, no, no, no. That's not happening. Okay? Not going to happen. Um, and so he has... Haman hanged at the end of chapter 7. Destiny or God? In Esther 8, as we kind of wrap up here, Esther revealed her connection with Mordecai. He finally, she finally tells the king you know, that Mordecai is my guardian, he's my cousin, um, and he was honored. She didn't ask for a law uh, to kill the Jews to be revoked. Can you please do away with that, that law? And he agreed. In fact, not only did he agree, but the other part of the story, you see in Esther chapter 8, verse 12, that he, um, he goes on to tell that the Jews can defend themselves on a particular day. So not only are we not going to have the Jews killed, the Jews can actually defend themselves or anybody messing with them. And it says that 500 people, that the Jews killed 500 people in Susa and 10 sons of Haman. Oh man, another sermon for another day, right? One man, how one person's decision can affect... The people, uh, other people, right? That's in Esther 9, verses 6 through 10. And then in Esther 9, verse 16, we see that 75,000 people were killed by the Jews. What? Wow. And now there's a yearly celebration called Purim that was enacted because of these events. We can see that at the end of Esther chapter 9, that there's something called Purim that the Jews celebrate every year. And Mordecai ends up being second in command only uh, to the king. Look in Esther chapter 10, verse 3. Mordecai the Jew was second only to King Xerxes. He was famous among the Jews and highly esteemed by many of his relatives. He continued to pursue prosperity for his people and to speak for the well-being of all his descendants. A destiny or God. So while some believers... I mean, excuse me, while some believe strongly in fate and destiny, the book of Esther shows us that God is always at work, even when He may seem silent. So as we wrap up today and ask Mr. Lawrence to come up, do we, do we trust, guys, do we trust the stars or do we trust the maker of them?
I, there's a lot of people, and I know you're sitting at church today, and, and so you're probably one that believes in the maker of the stars, I'm sure. Um, but how, how, how far does that, that faith really stretch? So you believe in the maker of the stars. I could sing a song, by the way, a country song on that, I think. Those of you know I'm talking about, maker of the stars. But anyway, I'm not going to do that because I want you all to stay here with me today. Um, amen. That's when I get amen? All right, brother. Really? Amen. Amen. I asked for it. But uh, no, seriously, how much is your faith? And it seems like I've been asking this a lot lately. This is a real, these are real people putting the real in reality TV. That bastard stuff, that's just a TV show. These are real people. Real people. And the faith that they had. The fact that Esther had to risk her life a couple times. And she did it anyway. How big is our faith? How big is your faith? I don't know. And I think as we look at these stories, I don't know about you guys, but I feel like as natural when we read a story like that, that we, we always we say, which one would I be? Oh, I think I'd be Mordecai. Uh, and the girls, how many girls, are probably, females are probably saying, oh yeah, I think I'm Esther. I think I'm Esther in that story. I don't know. I think... To be honest with you, definitely, um, I'm definitely Haman a lot of the times. I want my way. You know, I don't like it when somebody does something to me and they, want, they don't uh, meet my request. And I, I'm, I'm pretty evil and prideful and greedy. I don't know. I think uh, for to ask a poll, I get, I'm, my, my guess is that everybody would say they're the same way. And that's why we need a Savior. Amen. So, through a series of events that are both ironic and incredible, um, these things led to Haman's ultimate downfall. But that doesn't have to be the case for you. Right, Hallie? doesn't have to be the case for you anymore. Right? It, might be your case, it might be your situation if you've never given your life to Christ, but it's not, your, it's not you if you have. I, I think about, um, as we wrap up here, an um, old story about a little kid who was uh, in, a, in a ship and he was... He was struggling. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't struggling. The ship was struggling. Excuse me. The, sh- the ship was, well, there was bad weather and, and uh, bad waves and everybody's freaking out on the ship, you know. And it's kind of, he was kind of like Jesus, asleep at the bo- in, in the below. And the little kid was, was just asleep. And one of them wake, woke him up and says, hey, son, hey, hey. Hey, man, like, this ship's about to go down. Like, you know, like, I mean, aren't you scared? Aren't, aren't you afraid? Like, you just, I just need to tell you. He says, no, I don't have to be afraid because my dad's the captain. Is, is your dad, is, is God your captain? Is God the captain of your ship today? All right. If he's not, please uh, come talk to me. The altar is open if you want to pray as we sing. So.